Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Curve Chilling Baseball Show, episode 44. 44. Hard to believe we're already there. Uh, I am a three-time participant in a World Series championship team. Uh, More importantly, I am now a goat farmer um, with some chickens on the side and and some other stuff. Uh, But we are at the trade deadline, Billy, and things are heating up a little bit. I can't believe you didn't mention the nine dogs, Kurt. Well, yeah, yeah, we're the the uh, the dog. Thank you. That was my off stage assistant. It is smoking hot in Tennessee. I mean, I grew up in Arizona. I've been to Afghanistan. Tennessee sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we're at the deadline, and my dogs, my yeah, I'm bitching about it. I don't have a fur coat on. My dogs are outside. It's like they're all laying in front of the fan. Um, but it's a deadline and things happen all week, every week, something happened yesterday. Um, you know, we, we generally will air the show the the night we tape it. Um, and this is the deadline. So, uh, I would expect a flurry of activity today. Um, but I mean, the big name that everybody was looking for is not definitely not going to get dealt now because his team made another trade, but the big trade uh, the two teams that seem to be getting after it are the Angels and the Rangers. Um, the Rangers acquired Scherzer, which I think was, I think a lot of people are looking at that as the big trade. I'm not sure that it is, um, but uh, the numbers coming in are, are not underwhelming, but it's, what is he, uh, $43 million, $38 million guy, Billy? He's in yeah. that neighborhood. Yeah, uh, he's nine and four with a four ERA. He's averaging just over five innings to start. His WHIP is one point one nine, which is fine. One twenty one to thirty strikeout to walk ratio. His K's per nine is at ten point one per nine, uh, which is his lowest total since twenty thirteen. He's leading the league in home runs given up. Uh, I've done that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. You don't. You don't. Uh, if you don't walk people, solo home runs generally don't beat you. Um, All those numbers uh, scream middle of the rotation. However, um, I like to think that, that there are certain times and places where you can see what a guy's makeup is Uh, big games, uh, opening day, uh, late September uh, playoff stretch, obviously postseason is the, the ultimate. Um, But this is another situation when you get traded to a new team, speaking from experience, um, that first season or that that period of time between the deadline and the end of the season, it's obvious why they traded for you. Um, and you don't want to disappoint. You want to impress. And you got a guy with three Cy Young Awards. He doesn't have to impress anybody, but we all have pride. Um, so for you Ranger fans that might be going, nah, uh, take a look back a couple years ago uh, when Max Scherzer got dealt to L.A. Uh, he made 11 starts. He went 7-0 and with a 1.98. 0.82 whip um, in 2021 after the trade. Uh, so that tells you that the guy, he he gets it. He knows what he's going to Texas for. I would expect to see a Max Scherzer closer to that than uh, the guy who pitched for the Mets because I think the Mets thing was just doomed from the start for whatever reason. And the Rangers are in first place too, which, uh, you know, they have to feel good about. The players definitely have to, I mean – I always enjoyed playing on a team where the ownership in the front office said, Hey, here's the talent go win. Uh, and that's the Rangers are at that position now uh, in that position. And I think probably the single most important factor in that trade 
is that uh, Scherzer is going back to one of his old and his favorite pitching coach, Mike Maddox in Texas. Um, anybody that knows the Maddox family knows that both Mike and Greg are uh, superior intellects when it comes to being pitching coaches. Uh, I know Greg is helping Mike out. I don't know his involvement now, but uh, outside of probably playing 36 holes a day, I'm sure he's having some some conversations and, and he's probably around and that's never a bad thing. Uh, on the flip side of, uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit. There's been some other trades. The Cardinals made a deal last night that we'll talk about, but uh, <laughs> the Jays on Saturday lost 17 to four at Houston. Um, this is not a batting average 273. That's the Rays winning percentage in July that they are uh, as close as they are in the division after that sort of a July speaks volumes to the cushion they built in April. Um, and it's the wor second worst month of the season. They were five and uh, 21 back in 03 in June. Um, and I think the bigger thing is July was full of playoff teams for their schedule. And I don't know, I tend to undervalue those kind of things during the regular season. Um, but they're yeah, struggling and with the new schedule, Kurt, that, yeah. that there's another example of how the new schedule plays into this. Yep. Yep. And, and I don't think, I, I think there's somewhere in between. I don't think that they're as good as the April numbers say. Uh, and I certainly don't think they're this bad. Uh, I think there's somewhere in between, but I will see them in the postseason. Um, so uh, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., whose little brother was traded, by the way, this week. Um, and, and Bill, you hear me say every single show, anytime we bring up something that's never been done before in a game that's over 100 years old, you got to sit back and appreciate it. Um, and we pick arbitrary dates now. You know, the media picks arbitrary dates for no one's ever had this many this by this date and all that other stuff. But this is kind of significant. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, stole his 50th base on Saturday. He became the first player ever to record 20 or more home runs and 50 or more stolen bases before the month of August. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know that outside of Atlanta, he gets in the conversation as much as he maybe should. When we're talking about uh, the best players in the game, I, I don't know. Uh, I just know that he's in that conversation. But that's pretty amazing. Um, teammate Marcelo Zuna hit his 20th and 21st home run uh, of the of the season this weekend. And the Braves now have five players with 20 home runs. Uh, they're the second team in history to have five different players before the month of August hit 20 home runs, joining the 2000 Blue Jays. Um, <clears throat> listen, it, it's... It's a postseason that they, you know, I always talk about swing and miss pitching in October. They have it uh, and they have everything else. So you're looking at a team that is going to potentially be a Boston Bruins level upset if they don't get out of their first round, uh, which they'll be a buy, I'm assuming, given how good they are. Um, or they're going to walk through the playoffs and win a World Series. I think, I think it'll be one of those two. I think it'll be a dramatic, uh, early exit or a cakewalk to the World Series, if you're, uh, which I'm betting against because my wife put a hundred dollar future bet on the Orioles before the season started, um, 
and the, uh, which leads me to the next conversation. The Orioles, I, I wanted, I said the other day, uh, at the end of last week, I wanted to talk about and look into uh, the Diamondbacks and the Orioles because we've talked about them on the show quite a bit uh, since spring training. And John dug up some numbers, and I'm going to find where I have it. There it is. Um, and there's uh, some interesting stuff here. First off, uh, on April, at the end of April, uh, the D-backs were in 256. They were averaging 5.28 runs a game, and their team ERA was 422. Uh, in May and July, 77 games, they hit 246. Uh, their ERA is 4.72, down a half run, which is now fifth in the AL. Uh, and their 4.18 uh, ERA is 15th in baseball, all of baseball. The D backs are down 10 points. They had 265. Batting average, aside, that's not really, they're down to 255 over the last two months, which you expect a little drop off. They were uh, scoring five runs a game in April. They're at 4.83, uh, barely down. Um, they're fourth in the National League in runs scored. Orioles are fifth in the American League in runs scored. And the, the, uh, the Diamondbacks with a 4.65 ERA are 26th in baseball. Both of those, and I think I said this before, the last team I remember hitting their way to a trophy was the 2002 Anaheim Angels. You just, that's not what happens. You don't do that anymore. Um, and if I, I don't think I missed anything, uh, Bill, but the Diamondbacks haven't gone out and gotten any pitching. No, they have and not. So, I mean, I, I think, to, I mean, again, today's the day, right? Now the question becomes, um, are you exceeding? This is what we talked about last week. Are is the general manager and the and the and the manager and the front office are they looking at this as kind of a a gravy season? They weren't expected to contend. They expected to be good, uh, but they're in position to get to the playoffs. They have a couple swing and miss pitchers. Um, they have a game one starter in Gallon for for a postseason series. Do they believe that they're a World Series caliber club? Um, and the players. We'll look at it exactly like that. If they go and get somebody today and they make a move, because they're stacked with prospects, both teams are, the Orioles as well, um, then they're, they're saying to the players, hey, we're, uh, we believe in you guys. We're contenders. Here's, here's your help. And I don't know that GMs or owners understand the impact, the significance of something like that, um, because it's a huge deal in the clubhouse, because this is the thing we're all sitting around talking about uh, when we show up at noon for the seven o'clock game is, you know, are we going to do something to do? do are, I mean, we're in, and I remember being in situations where, you know, especially in Philadelphia, we did nothing at the deadline when we were contending and, and um, it was, it was a deep, there was a lot of disappointment because, and, and the hard part is you're looking in many ways, you're rooting for a move that gets rid of one of the guys in the clubhouse. So you don't do it outwardly or boisterously, but everybody's talking about the moves you're watching everybody else make moves and you guys are sitting on the outside looking in and you're like, you know, what are they waiting for? Why, why do we not, you know? So I, I'll be curious to, to see how that plays out um, over, over the next, uh, what do we got? Uh, it's, I think it's midnight tonight, right? Uh, 6 PM today. Six, yes. Okay. So, and by the way, even though, You may not hear about a trade before 6 p.m. You'll see a lot of trades announced between 6 p.m. and midnight because they're done at 6. They call it in 
and they're ironing out details. I don't know how much leeway they have, but that's that happens a lot. And now, and it's 6 p.m. Eastern, so we're talking about five hours. Now the pressure is on the sellers um, in the sense that if you're an Oakland A's or a Kansas City Royals or possibly Mets selling, um, you have to, and you want to shed payroll or you want to make a move. Um, well, I, I, sh I, I shouldn't say it. it's probably the own, the onus is on both the sellers and the buyers, but there's pressure and, and it's true time pressure because phones are ringing. People are calling back. Scouting departments are being asked. Players are being researched. Minor league players, this, and you know, um, you go back and look at the first trade I was in. It was Brady Anderson for Mike Boddicker. And I was a throw in double a pitcher. Um, Doyle Alexander, I don't know I'm, I'm dating myself, but Doyle Alexander for John Schmoltz uh, brings back memories. Um, you can find a, a gem uh, at this time of the year if your scouting department is doing their jobs. Um, meanwhile, uh, I, it's got to be really, really challenging this year uh, to be a Royals fan and a Royals player. But there are a couple, one of my favorite teammates of all time uh, in Arizona we didn't play together long, but I loved him to death. It was a guy named Bobby Witt, who uh, Bobby was, uh, he was, I think he was an Oklahoma boy, phenomenal teammate, great guy, came up very young. I think he got screwed early in his career, um, being brought up before he should have been, um, had, even when I played with him and he was at the end, tail end of his career, he had phenomenal stuff. His son uh, is a superstar. And keep going back to this phrase uh since the rbi became an official stat in 1920 in his last two games bobby witt has eight hits nine rbis four extra base hits two home runs a grand slam and a stolen base since 1920 only one other player has ever done that in two games and that was willie mays in 1958 that's hundreds of thousands of games bill that's the kind of thing those are, I mean, though, again, picky st stats, but I, I love stuff like that. When you think about the, the hundreds of thousands of baseball games played, no player has ever done that since 1920, what Bobby Wood Jr. just did. Um, yeah, and Bobby Wood Jr. isn't talked about up with some of the best young talent. Right. And yet that's incredible. Well, he might be the best young talent. Yeah, I mean, he's in the conversation, absolutely sure. But that's what happens when you play in a market like Kansas City, which I, is a great baseball town, um, but it's not a, a big baseball market. Um, and your team is absolutely putrid. Um, they are on historically bad run this year. And uh, nothing coming out of Kansas City is good except going to watch this kid play because he is – guys that you can go to the ballpark and see – and potentially see something you've never seen before. Those are the guys that sell tickets. Ted Williams, Pedro Martinez, Barry Bonds, you know, um, uh, and the game is Willie Mays, uh, uh, Tony Gwynn. Those are the guys you go to see. And, um, you know, there are some in the game now that uh, are pretty special. I actually want to talk about one more thing. I, um, I caught wind of the, uh, I, I, I'm sure you heard about this. Um, Noah Syndergaard, Bill, got traded from the Dodgers. Yep. And um, I couldn't explain to you the depths of my disappointment when I, when I read his quotes. 
him complaining that there were too many cooks in the kitchen and that, uh, Hey John, if you can, can you get me some, I want you to jump in here in a minute, John, can you grab me some career stats on, uh, on, on Noah Syndergaard real quick? This is kind of a last minute thing. I, I just threw this in here. I want to talk about this. Though, sure. This, this really bothered me. Um, you're talking about a six foot, what, seven, six, seven, isn't he, Bill? Six, yes. You. Yeah. The monster Nick, of a pitcher. Nicknames Thor. Right. Um, monster. Of, and, and, and in some sense, it, it reminds me of the Dark Knight um, with the hype. But this kid was was legit, right? This was a, a, a white J.R. Richard in many ways. Triple digit fastball, monstrous breaking ball. Uh, power stuff and I always say when you see a guy with that kind of stuff that doesn't strike out more than one hitter per inning you're looking at a guy who doesn't prepare or doesn't prepare and doesn't have a high baseball IQ or doesn't have a high it's it's a combination of things um you know he was out for a year with Tommy John he's back he's still filthy um but I would argue that if I had to start a list of in the last 10 years of horrible underachievers he's at the top um, and, and I say that with all due respect. I mean, he, 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 he's still a big league pitcher. He's one of the best in the world, but this is a guy that, that should have been pitching for a plaque in Cooperstown with his stuff. And when he comes out and says, well, it's all my, everybody's trying to change me. I need to go back and do what I was doing. I don't know. See now what you were doing wasn't all that great. You need to, to, to shut up and listen to the people that are, that are trying to coach you. Um, and then you take what works and you throw out what doesn't. Um, but to be at this age, after this many years in the big leagues, to say that all the cooks in the kitchen have have ruined you uh, is a cop out. And and I can't, I I just can't stand stuff like that because again, this is a guy who should be on the Cy Young uh, uh, trail every year with this stuff. Um, Do you think Terry Francona and the Cleveland? coaching staff could be a really good thing for him. I think Terry Francona could be a great thing for him um, because Tito will, and, and, and Tito talked about, they sat down and had a meeting with them and, and basically said, Hey, we're just going to back off and let you be you. And then if we need to come into the conversation, which they will, I promise you um, it'll be Tito will say, Hey, listen, you know, we did, we tried it your way and it's not working. And here's what we're going to do. Um, he'll be honest with him, but maybe they catch lightning in the bottle because this is a guy. I always say, don't give superior athletes motivation. They don't need it. Uh, they shouldn't need it, but he is at a place in time where people are. And again, I, I, I loved watching him pitch. I uh, loved watching it since the Dodgers when it was DeGrom and, and him and Harvey. Um, but he should be so much more than he is. And it's he still has a chance. Uh, what is he? How old is he? Is he 30? Yeah, I think he's he's yeah. either 29 or 30. He's, right. he's about, about to be 31. Okay. Okay. You got numbers for me? I do. What's his uh, career record? 58 and 45. Okay. ERA? 3.65. Mostly in the National League. What's his whip? 1.193. Okay. And his strikeouts to walks? Uh, I've got strikeouts at 910. 9.10? Yep. Okay. So so he's 13 games above 500 in 100 decisions. 
Uh, he's got a 360 yard pitching in the National League, which just kind of doesn't really matter anymore. One, but the key number here is he's got a 1.19 whip. That's exceptional. Um, he strikes out a little over a batter in inning. Um, you're again, you're talking about a guy with triple digit fastball and a power slider. And I, I, you know, I'm not sure what his third pitch is. That's a guy who should be 650 winning percentage, three low three ERA. Uh, punching out 10, 11, 12, 13 guys per nine with his stuff. His stuff hasn't translated. And I would argue that, um, hey, John, how many full seasons has he pitched in the big leagues? How many starts? 156 starts. Okay, yeah. So you're looking at five full seasons worth of starts at a minimum. Uh, that's more than enough time to figure it out. Well, and he came up when he was young. Yeah, yeah. Um, he came up to the Mets at 23, I think. Right, right. Which, again, okay. Uh, he, yeah. It was, you know, at some point in that 156 starts, lights should have started clicking, and the stuff should have started translating to dominance. Um, he doesn't have good fastball command which is mind-boggling to me at this point in his career, because if he did, he his numbers would be drastically different. And I'm not talking about throwing strikes. I'm talking about commanding the fast. You, when you are a 96 to 900 guy and you're commanding fastballs in four quadrants of the strike zone, uh, you're unhittable. You're that guy who goes out and throws eight innings or seven innings, gives up three hits and punches out 11, walks one or two uh, on, on, a, on an average day. Um so I, I'll be curious. I hope he I hope he does. He's got a chance to have a second half of a career. Absolutely. He can pitch for the next 10 years um, if he stays healthy. But uh, anyway, that just struck me. I wanted to talk about that. So we're going to close out with my five top five baseball movies. All right. I have four that I'm going to throw at you, Bill. Um that's that are the the first three are right up in the in the are are fighting for one uh my one position it's bull durham moneyball and 42 um and then my fourth is a movie called trouble with the curve uh i love that movie for the for the insight into the world of scouting which i thought was awesome um and clinics with the stud but bull durham probably my favorite entertaining movie um because most of what was in bull durham was right out of the minor leagues i saw most of that stuff happen in the minor leagues um and i heard most of those conversations happen in the minor leagues and every town had a susan sarandon in the minor leagues uh, and the big leagues at some point but i think probably one of the more powerful movies, one of the bigger message movies, 42 is something that has to be seen to be believed because I don't think, uh, I think every, every minority in the big leagues should see it uh, to understand what true racism and oppression actually was. Yeah. Because the stuff I hear coming out of these guys' mouths today makes me sick. Uh, I, I'm not saying that there isn't uh, uh, scattered bouts of racism. There's always going to be because there's in the world. But the fact of the matter is, Nobody and in, in, in no situation anywhere in the sports endured with Jackie and, and many of the guys that followed on into the 70s, by the way, um, with Hank Aaron getting death threats as he approached Babe Ruth. Um, 
record. Uh, Moneyball, I just thought was awesome because it changed the game. I don't think necessarily for the better, but it changed the game. And it was a great story. Um, solidly ensconced in, in my top five. I'm not sure where it fits is The Natural. Just because it was a cool movie. Um, it was a great I, movie. It was a great That may be my favorite baseball movie. Yeah. I, I, Bull Durham was just so real to me. Yeah. No, I, I love Bull Durham. I played in Greensboro. So, and Durham and all those cities. So, and, and, you know, they're riding around in the bus I rode on in the minor leagues. So it was like, it hit home for me. Uh, I, I never had the bathroom scene though. A little disappointed in that one. Um, <laughs> and then I've got some, some uh, right outside the top, all, all these I'd recommend. Um, uh, 61. Uh, and I don't, again, a story. I don't think a lot of people understand from the Maris perspective what he went through. It wasn't easy. And he almost, I mean, he was so stressed. Um, the rookie uh, about the Tampa Bay that just for the story, because you can't understand. I don't know that I, people still can understand how amazingly, how unbelievable that story is from being a high school coach. Whose kids all say, Hey, go try out to pitching in the big leagues at 31. I think he was um, million dollar arm. I liked for the story, I because and I also liked it because uh, I was in it with Carl Ravitch and Barry Larkin, uh, and it was fun. Um, and then one that I don't know if you've seen this, Bill, uh, the battered bastards of baseball. I have not seen it. Okay, Kurt Russell was a was a double A player. I think his father was a baseball fanatic. Uh, he ran a team in Portland in the seventies. And it is a documentary, and it is absolutely fascinating uh, because baseball hated him because it was basically he had an open tryout for anybody, and I believe they played in uh, they were an independent team, and they went around kicking the crap out of Triple A teams. <laughs> eventually, and yes, and they almost I, I think they might have won the division, but the owners did everything they could do to get the team disbanded and, 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 and destroyed because he was embarrassing minor league teams. Um, but it's called the battered bastards of baseball. And it is a phenomenal, and Kurt Russell's in it. He gives uh, a lot of interviews. He was a really good player, I guess. Uh, and if you make it to double a, you're a really good player and he did. And, um, but that's, that's one I would highly, highly recommend. So that's my movies. Um, Hey, Thursday, you know what? I think we'll do just kind of a deadline review on Thursday. Yeah, who cashed it give, in and and yep. who made a move that could really I'll, matter. Yeah, I'll give you my my mo what I believe is the most impactful trade, what I believe was uh and the worst trades, and we'll go through all that. And um, because the rosters are set now, and uh, they will be in four hours and thirty-eight minutes. Well, um, we we, we, flew, we flew by it, but I really like what the Angels did by saying yeah. we're keeping well, Otani and right. bringing in the two bats from Colorado. Well, I think that Artie realizes that I, I I think they're in on him as a free agent. Um, and I don't think they make those moves if they don't think they have a shot to resign him. That makes sense, right? Because. You know, you're looking at a half a bill, probably over half a billion dollars in a deal, which is just funny to say. Um, for a unique talent no one's ever seen before, and no one will probably, well, 
until next year's draft when my buddy Bo Hollins gets drafted. Um, but yeah, I don't think they make those trades if they aren't seriously in on it. And they, they have a huge advantage in that they know the player. Right. That's a, because they know there's a lot of, I don't know how Shohei has adapted to the American lifestyle. Uh, but I would imagine there's a comfort level that players uh, who aren't native speaking players get with a city and you can't really, however, um, what I do think is going to probably be the deal breaker is that when Shohei Otani's agent shows him his post-tax income as an Anaheim angel, and then shows it his income as a post-tax anything else. Yeah. Right. You're talking about, my God, you could probably be talking about upwards of a hundred million dollar difference in playing somewhere else. Absolutely. And so that to me, uh, and, and you know, the teams are going to present that as a huge uh, deal point as they do it. So, well, anyway, and as, as but, my boss and your boss, Gary always points out how many players don't take the biggest dollar sign as the final straw in agreeing to a new deal. Right. And I was a guy that didn't do it multiple times, but I, I, Here's where agents uh, tend, I think, tend to be bad for the game. Um, an agent's job is to make money. So if you're going to sign and they get, let's say they get 5%. That's all pre-tax. That's all pre-income. That's that's off the top. So if you get uh, uh, a $500 million deal, right, you're getting, what, $25 million? Um. And again, that's off the top. Right. So you're getting 475 million. And if you sign a $400, a $400 million deal, uh, you're getting 20 million as the agent, as the 5% guy. That's a big deal. Yes, and and that's generally not, a lot of times those decisions aren't in the best interest of the player. Now, if the player says to the agent, get me the biggest deal you can and come back to me when it's done. Okay. There you go. But that doesn't happen a lot. I don't think I was my own agent for my last 10 years. And, and I love the dynamic that it brought to the table, which was a very different one than agents, because the things that the teams will say to agents, they would never say to players. Um, and so I, I negotiated with Mr. Colangelo. I negotiated with Mr. Giles. I negotiated with Mr. Henry. Um, and I had, I had no problem. I knew what my value was. Uh, but I never, uh, you know, I couldn't be paid more than Pedro when I got traded to Boston. They told me that in the room. They said, listen, you know, whatever you're asking, it can't be more than Pedro's making because we'll have a problem. I was like, okay, I don't care. Um, but that doesn't make me the norm. I don't know if that's the exception to the norm. Um, so that, that'll be curious. I'll be curious. And, and that's the thing, right? Nobody knows the levers that Shohei Otani has. What's the priority? Right. Is it family? Uh, is it is it convenience? Is it ballpark? Is it facilities? Is it uh, divisional competition? Is it market? Um, because Shohei Otani in New York is probably going to double his salary off the field. Uh, Shohei Otani in Seattle, probably the same thing. Seattle has an enormous Asian market because of Ichiro. 
Um, the New York, the, the New York market, not probably not as big, but maybe just as big because Hideki Matsui was an enormous talent and, a, and a, an icon in Japan. So all those things, he's got levers that other players don't have a lot of levers. So that'll, and, and again, Anaheim has the advantage. They know those levers for the most part. Um, so it'll be, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Um, be but he'll be an angel. Yeah. yeah. He'll be an angel on Friday. Um, so anyway, yeah, we'll catch up with the trade deadline. Uh, four hours and 33 minutes until the deals are done, but, but pay attention. As many of you know, deals can be made up to the deadline and not announced till 10, 11, 12 at night. Generally doesn't happen as much as it used to. Um, but that's the gig, Billy, uh, John, appreciate the info, John. Um, Billy, take care. I'll catch up with you in a couple of days, buddy. Oh, by the way, hold on. Time out. Don't stop yet. Outkick.com. You can find us on outkick.com. Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. Up in the right-hand corner is the shows. Click the tab. You can find all the Clay Travis, Tommy Laren, um, Dan Kakich. Some awesome, awesome podcasts. If you're, if you're a commuter, there's a ton of content. Uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, anywhere. You can now find us. Uh, spread the word. Follow uh, become uh, a subscriber and a follower, and uh, we'll catch you guys on on the end of the week.